How's everything going on where you're at? Yeah, it's uh, I'm over in um, Essendon West, so like Maribyrnong. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's been difficult. I think we my missus has done it a lot harder than I have because yeah. she had to stay in Melbourne and we we had to go into the hub um, in Sydney. So yeah, she's doing it tough, but the whole state is made, and we just want it to uh, to be over, I guess. I know, right? Are you uh, are you still able to maintain your schedule of training and staying on top of your 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 health and wellness? Like, are you keeping your habits in check, or is it does it get like even for you, does it get like real difficult sometimes? Um, it it does, but I think uh, having that three three week off was uh, was important just to switch the mind and the body off. But yeah, um, today was my first day back at the training ground, and, and we really hit the track hard today. So nice. Um, yeah, I'll sleep well tonight, and, and it's, there's um, there's no more breaks. It's uh, it's full steam ahead, I guess. Is that right? Like, what does the schedule look like for the rest of the year? Mm. We uh, we will be we'll be training flat out, and, and the the, the A League will start up again in December. So very good. It's uh, it's an exciting two months. Pre season is never easy, mm. um, but yeah, it's uh, got to get got to get the hard yards in first to to you know, hold you in good stead for the season. One of our um, one of our directors, Alex Karamuzas, he actually made a mention that apparently a f- uh, used to play with you or against you for a few years um, at the Green Gully. And he said that you one of the best players, okay? But it was you were pretty young. Yeah, it was against him. Yeah, you remember it? I, I remember those days. It okay. was uh, if you're referring to Green Gully versus um, versus Essendon Royals. Uh, I was Gully and, and he was Essendon. Mm-hmm. Um, they were our sort of nemesis, if you want to call it. They were the team that always gave us a bit of trouble, and um, we managed to to beat them on most occasions, but. They were the team that uh, we were most fearful of, and um, yeah, it was it was a it was a period I look back on and, and really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, they, they were a great team for that age too. How old were you back then? I uh, would have been 12, 13 and going into fourteen. So we had a good three year rivalry with Essendon. Okay, so I've worked with quite a few young athletes, and from that that age, um, and some of them are like you. Right, you can see a lot of potential from a young age, but when you were that age, do you remember what you thought of yourself? Of like, were you aware of your skill and talent? Um, or were parents talking to you, coaches? Of... No, I was more aware of the desire. I was more aware mm. of you know, I knew what I wanted to do, and I was you know, I always had to work on my ability. I think I was given. You know, let's say I was given forty percent of, of the football basics, and that rest of sixty percent was was down to spending hours out on the pitch and and you know training when I wasn't supposed to. You know, when when it wasn't structured, I was I was doing things by myself and with my twin brother and just working on with with my dad, just my left foot and right foot. And uh, at that time, I didn't think I was the best, but you know, some people say that you know when you were at that age, you were the best. But I didn't feel that way. I just felt like I always wanted to work and improve. How did you manage that though? You're like you're such a young kid and we say like all the time with young athletes and young young anything in your skill that you get mm. pressures. How do you manage yeah. that? It, it was it was tough and I think it, it helped having a dad who who played the game as well and he was able to deal with the highs and the lows and um basically just you know I was a confidence player and I think at, at Green Gully we used to win a lot of games and confidence you, you gain rhythm and um you know i was from sunbury so you know me and my brother were the only two you know players that came out of sunbury to 
push on to, to go to Green Gully. So Summary's a small country town and um, not many players played football there. And um, yeah, I, I was just hungry to, to be the elite. And um, to be the elite, you had to you had to leave uh, a little town called Sombri. Right. What, when you were that, like, what was the moment that you realized like, okay, I'm going to take this really seriously and try and maximize it and get as far as I can? Was it the back in the Green Gully days or a bit later? Um, no, it was the green. My first year at Green Gully, I actually got selected for the Vic under 12s. Mm. So that was, you know, um, playing for Victoria at, at age 12. And I think um, that put me in great stead. And we went to Canberra and played a tournament and just putting on the navy, the navy blue of Victoria with the big white V. And you're representing your state. And I think that was my sort of period where I knew that I was in a, a small group of players that just wanted to be professionals when they grew up. And um thankfully you know a lot of boys have kicked on and done that but um yeah it's, it's a it's a period that stuck that sticks out to me it was that under 12 period for representing victoria but then from there well actually i want to backtrack a little bit you talked about the pressures and you talked about your dad being there as, as a supportive role but what are the habits because there's a lot of young athletes who are going to listen to this and young coaches what are the habits? Because you said 40% and 60% you, you kind of was you. So what were the habits that yeah. you think set you apart that you see most people weren't doing back then? So I was doing obviously extra training, but it was a lot of specifics. Um, you know, for example, you know, to, to get the pace that I have nowadays, um, it wasn't fully given to me. I had to work for that. So for an example, you know, I used to run with a tire, a rope around my waist with a tire about, you know, 20 meters off the end of it. And week by week, I would start to add bricks into it and I would start nice. to sprint. So, you know, as months go on, you start to really run past people and you think I'm getting quicker. And then you put more bricks in, you get quicker and quicker. And that was the sports science back then, right? So that was that was what I thought was working. And, and mate, I'll tell you, when I was growing and going through puberty, I just got stronger and stronger and, and was able to, yeah, just almost walk past people because I was doing extra things that you know because football wise I was I was decent but what got me through was actually my pace because I was able to make up for mistakes and um, and yeah just have that edge going into games so that was one that sticks out and, and I used to work three times a week um, you know six runs per 40 meters and um, yeah that, that, that was that's one that sticks out to be honest so you were you're essentially doing what we call in the show the conditioning world sled sprints right you had a, a heavy load behind yeah. you and you were sprinting which gets you into a really nice position to help improve technique you were doing yeah. that what from a young teenager yeah so i was i did little athletics and i was a good ah, i was a good 800 i was a good 800 meter runner so my technique was was quite good over over a good period of time but i feel as if my sprint distance where my first 10 to 15 yards I believe I was the quickest in Victoria in football, not 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 athletics, but in football. Hmm. And in the in this game, you only need 15 meters because the pitch is only 100, 110 meters long. So back then, I used to just knock the ball and run, and um, it worked to my my advantage. And I'm still using it to this day with my speed. And um, that little five yard gives me the the advantage against the really experienced and, and strong defenders. That is so valuable to be so young and incorporate that intelligence shown the conditioning did you have a coach guiding you was that or is that where did you get that from because that's come from somewhere so yeah look so basically i, I didn't so the, the following year the under 13s victoria um i didn't get selected so and their feedback to me was you know you're you just need you're not you're not quick enough 
So that burnt a little thing inside my stomach. And my dad said to me, look, you know, here's a little trick that we can do to, to get you quicker, the old school way. And it's getting a tire, an empty, you know, rubber tire and running with it. And then week by week, adding a brick. And and basically it was my old man and, and me going going down into our backyard and um, yeah, doing sprints like it was, uh, like there was no tomorrow. So um, it sounds so simple. And, and nowadays the, the sports science is, has gone to a whole new level, which I see day to day. But um, yeah, the, the old tire just brings back memories. Without your dad, I mean, this might be a bit cliche. You might have been asked it before. I'm not sure. But do you think you would have found soccer without your father? No way. It's a simple answer. No way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can I can ramble on about what the things he's done for me. But you know, he gave me the love of the game, and it's in the blood. But at the same time. I wouldn't be sitting here today having played for my country if it wasn't for the little things that my dad because the one percenters they're the ones that actually get you over the line in the in the, in the long run and they they add up you think that ah oh, it's only one percent but when you start to do 10 one percenters that 10 percent is huge no that's a great point there's a great book called atomic habits i'm not sure if you've read it but it talks about these one percent increment improvements one week every week one percent adds up to a huge compound interest right so true so I wonder, all right, you had the guidance of a really strong father figure who was able to push you and guide you. You talked about the strength of conditioning, keeping you physically prepared. What were your other one percenters? Can you can you list them off? Can you now that you think of it, reflecting back? Yeah, just uh, basically, if I was to you know train at Green Gully, uh, we would finish training at say seven thirty, but I would stay back with my dad and my brother. And so all my other teammates are going home, but I would stay back for another half an hour to, to 45 minutes working on shooting. Mm. So, you know, my brother was a midfielder and I was the striker. So we used to work on the way he could pass to me, you know, whether it's a long ball or a, or a ball through the middle or a through ball. Um, he, when it comes to the weekend, it was repetition and it was, it was something that it just happened fluently. And that's what transpired into, you know, the way we played on the weekend. So that's another one percenter is we stayed back post structured training and that's I still do that to this day was and that I, your you know, choice or was your dad pushing you to do that which is, I don't think either one is bad but mm. what instigated that you know what I think I had the hunger in me to do it for maybe 10 minutes yeah. but he would say 10 minutes is not going to get you much let's stay up another 20 minutes mm. but then once you get that hunger and you get the bug and, you, and when you see improvements you actually you enjoy it right so I was enjoying scoring goals and hitting hitting targets from weird angles and using my pace to then trans, you know, transform that into games was, I was seeing a, a whole new player from, from a six month period, a whole new player. Wow. So just another testament to your father was, how did he communicate to you? Cause some coaches and fathers or, or mothers there, mm, it's like, we're doing this. It's like, that's it. Like, this yeah. is what we're doing. And, and, and there's until you grow up to be, or you don't play this sport anymore, this is what we're gonna do. Or some others are more laissez-faire. Which, where did your father fall across that spectrum? Um, look, he, he gave us free reign. He, you know, the fact that we loved the game within ourselves and me and my brother, we loved it, helped him. But yeah. it wasn't it wasn't hard for him to motivate us. It was easy. You know, it, if he said to us, we're staying here for half an hour, then we would stay for half an hour. So we would always, but we looked up to him. So we, for, to me and my brother, he was a hero to us. So. He was a player that played in the old days. And, you know, when I would go to games, all these old fans would go up to him and start talking because he's well-respected in Victoria. So 
it was nice to know that, you know, my dad's done it and whatever he says, I'm just going to believe. And right. rightfully so, because it's, um, he's been there and done that. So he was our hero and, and we looked up to him and, um, he definitely gave us some, some great pointers and look, I, I stand here today, the player, because, you know, he turned me into that. If your dad was to write a book and pass that book on to maybe your grandchildren, for example, or, or even a, a future you who never met him, what do you think the principles yep. he would put in that book? Um, look, he's because he, he's because he's Scottish. He would put uh, obviously hunger is is key, um, but he would always say you know work when they're not working. So he would always say to to get one up on your opponents, you need to be working when you think they're not working. So um, and just never be satisfied. I think that's something that he'd probably call the book never be satisfied because I. I felt like now it took me a while, but nowadays I'm never satisfied with just one goal or I'm never satisfied at training with an hour, uh, an hour and, and a half of training. I want more, I want more. So that was something that he has instilled in me and um, it, it burns in my you know in my stomach every single day that I just need to, because I know I can improve. I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm a perfect player because I'm clearly not. I, I believe that there's always improvement to makes, whether it's you know physically, mentally um, and, and, all, and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's something that's that's driven me you know to this day is just never be satisfied with with what you've got because there can be better how do you know then that's a really that's a i like that message from your delivered through you from your father but how do you know when enough is like as an athlete as a human being like it's not feasible like even kobe bryant didn't practice Mm. all day michael jordan didn't practice all day right so how do you know when you've done the work um, I think you know within your your mind and your stomach, and you know it's for an example before a game. So on a Friday, I would do maybe you know thirty to forty shots, and you know if I've managed to score twenty five, then I kind of just want another five more goals. That way, I can take my percentage rate over sixty percent, and you know then I know I'm in a good place. And tomorrow when I go out to the stadium, that I'm mentally in a good place, and I'm confident. Because confidence, as a, as a for for me being an attacking player, is is key. It, it's one of the most things you can have in your ammunition is confidence. And when you don't have it, you know. So when you do have it, you've got to look after it. And, and that's something that I just keep to keep to, you know topping it up as much as I can, and um, without being too overconfident, because then you get blasé and you get, you get complacent. So it's 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 maintaining that confidence. How do you do that now, though? Because you could easily become overly blasé like being one of the best strikers in the a-league like you have every reason to be arrogant but you're not you're you're more you seem grounded soft-spoken but assertive at the same time like how do you keep that level-headedness um look i I just think that you know growing up i i had to work for my ability and i you know the things that passed down or or my you know my morals and, and everything that you know my parents passed down to me and I think there's no reason for me to to be cocky or to be arrogant. I don't think I've earned anything. I'm 27 now, and and I still think there's a long way for me to go. And if I start to have a chip on my shoulder, then I believe that um, you know it can go the other way and it can really affect you. So, uh, and like I said, there's there's a lot of media around football nowadays. And um, if you don't read the good, then don't read the bad. And that, and that's something that I've always had. If you know you've got to take everything in your stride, and and I and I believe that you know you need to cop criticism because at times you do things, you do make mistakes. You were just human. So 
for me, it's about just making sure and have that tennis mentality of if I miss a chance, the next one, just be confident and make sure you, you hit the target or you, you score a goal the next the next time. You don't have time to, you know, wait or, or you know, dwell on your on on your missed chance. That's a great point. Do you have any techniques mentally that you go through when you're in a game, you're in practice, and you find yourself, I'm dwelling, damn it, I'm mm. focusing on the miss yep. or on the mistake. Like as an as a human and an athlete, like what do you do in those scenarios to get yourself back? Yeah, it's a good it's a good one. So for me, if I miss a chance and you know the next five minutes, I'm I'm, you know, I used to be flat, but now I I, I turn it into a positive where I'm either pressing harder, I you know I run to the defender and make sure I'm using my work rate because I know that the harder I work, I'll get the lucky break whether it's five ten minutes later because I know that. Uh, and I've seen within this game that the harder you work, you do get lucky breaks. And it happened to me so many times that, you know, I might press the defender, I might win a tackle, or my teammate might intercept the ball and then I'm free and, you know, I have a shot on goal. But, um, or if I do miss a chance, it's about, you know, just getting the confidence and making sure I can touch the ball um, within the next five minutes and, and keep possession. And that gives you confidence again. So there's there's a few things. Uh, it depends on who you're playing. It all depends on which moments, but I tend to pick... Um, ones that you know working hard is is the key element that, that gets you back into the game so you go harder you press it you use the mistake as fuel yeah. to keep going but then do you have a cue in your brain like that triggers you to do that like is it automatic at this point like when you started doing it though it wouldn't have been mm. i imagine automatic like for the younger athletes trying to establish this do you, do you have any like affirmations or cues yeah correct I, at the start it wasn't it at the start i was i was you know body language and you know sulking around yeah. and saying oh, i just missed a chance and you know five minutes goes by and then a ball comes across and you're not you're not mentally fresh you're not mentally there yeah. and now i've got to a point where it's it's automatic it's just it's a rapid reaction if i lose the ball if i miss a chance it's just my body just goes and i and i use that adrenaline to you know the adrenaline that i'm going to use to sulk i actually use it in a positive way and um sure enough five ten minutes fifteen minutes down the line that I'll get another chance and, and then it's up to me to be clear in the mind to, to score those goals. But I'm not going to say to people that it, it just happens overnight. It, mm. it does take time, but just try and use, because you're going to use a lot of energy thinking about something that's already gone. Right. So don't worry about that. Just use that energy to now think, okay, what's next? And, and that's that's something that's taken me a couple of years, but um, in, all, in all fields of, of sports, um, you can use it for sure. That's so practical. It's, it's practical in life because we're all going to go through trials and tribulations, right? And it's like, why don't we use the negative emotion to create more motion to propel us forward? Yeah. You talked about confidence and how that important that is to you. But in an effort to kind of make you more relatable and to kind of tell a story, what do you remember moments or stories where you had moments of just, just lack of confidence, just insecurity on the field, in training, as a player. Do you mind reflecting and sharing that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'll you know rewind a couple of years, or maybe six or seven years back when I was at Perth Glory and um, I was a young up-and-coming player that I was 19 and, and wanted to really play and I felt like I was unbelievable in training, scoring goals, really impressing, but then I would be on the bench. So it was it was tough for me, okay, no worries, I'm on the bench. Then I wouldn't come on. So the following week I wouldn't play and there was a period where I actually came on one time and we were losing one nil and I scored two goals. So obviously the coach, you know, in the media is saying, you know, Jamie's he's taking his chance well. 
But the following week, after winning him the game, I was back on the bench. Hmm. So that that was one that that sticks with me is you know I can either sink now or I can swim. So whenever he brings me on, just make an impact, make make a positive impact for myself, not because he's not going to look after me, you know. So do do it for yourself, do it for you know even the people that know you that know you're a hard worker because like I said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And sure enough, mate, I finished that season as a bench player, but I scored ten goals that year. So I was kind of took pride in that. I ended up leaving and signing for Brisbane, but that was one that sticks out is I made a, I made such a negative because I would go home and be miserable, but I made such a negative on the field, turned it into a huge positive. And then, you know, whatever happened to Brisbane is history because um, I put myself in a great position because I could easily have gone the other way. And then I wouldn't be sitting here as a player who has gone on to play for his country. I could be a part-time footballer that mm. didn't make it at Perth glory. And, and I have, I've got a day job. That's the fine line, and that's that's one that sticks out massively. Man. But you had to have a moment to push you to have that realization, right? Because some people they think they don't face the challenge of I'm going to make every minute count. How did you realize, or how did you? What was that moment? Did someone say something to you? Did you read something? Did did like what was the trigger for you to realize? Hold on, I need to stop sulking and just focus on me and what I can control. Well, I had a, a lot of experienced players around me and, and they said, look, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just sitting there, even myself, you know, with six months left of, of the season, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have a focus that I'm not going to be in Perth for the next, uh, after six months. So let's make this six months a really, really good one. So I then took back to my roots where I actually, I was doing the sleds after training. I was doing, you know, staying back for 30 minutes and I was doing things that, put me in a good happy place if training didn't go my way so and then you know you fast forward to the weekend I would come on as a sub make an impact maybe get an assist or maybe get a goal and then the following week I just I processed and accepted the fact that I'm a bench player I just accepted it mm. because I, for some reason the coach and, and players and, and people are always going to experience coaches that rate you and some that don't and, and I just knew that I was up against it with him so I just had to accept it and move on. And, and whenever I got the, given the chance, whether it's five minutes, 25 minutes, just make an impact and do it for yourself because you know that in six months' time, you won't be at Perth, you'll be somewhere else. And at that time, I didn't know it was going to be Brisbane, but I knew that I've set myself up in a, in a great great spot. And yeah, so it, it took about a six-month build-up, but mate, the, it worked so well for me. That's amazing. Did you Have you had any of those moments recently, like in the last couple of years? Um, look, the, the older I get, I think, and the more experience and the more games I play, I think I have less of those down moments. Yeah. When I say down moments, I say I start every game here. So it's it's different than being a bench player. So I need to find if other ways to inspire me or to motivate me. And I think that um, when I see younger players not doing the work that, say, I might put in or other experienced players put in, then I, I drag them along with me and say, look, you know, let's stay out for 30 minutes and do some shooting. Yeah. And I, I'm doing, I'm now acting as if my dad was dragging nice. me. So, I, so that they're, they're things that, you know, younger boys will probably that have passed or present at this club at Melbourne city will know that I dragged them to, to shooting drills because I know that on the weekend, if a ball falls to them, I want them to bury it for themselves, but for the club, you know, more as a whole, but for themselves to be good enough at this level, because I feel as if there's some, some good young talent, but they, they don't want to put the time in. They don't want to 
work hard on their craft they think that where they are is enough and, and that's why i keep saying don't be satisfied i'm not satisfied mm. and, and i'm the top scorer in the league so right. you shouldn't so it was um it's a nice thing and as an experienced player it's, it's nice to, to give those moments to the young boys because sometimes they need that i understand younger boys need a bit of guidance just like you with your i mean it's it's so it's so great that it's such a beautiful thing that you're able to honor your father through what he taught you to other young athletes like they're your sons almost well i know it works and that, and that's the thing mate it's it's i know it works if you give it the right time and you give it the the desire and the hunger to to improve you will see results i wonder i wonder a lot of things i got so many things rattling around um in my head but i think sport and competition is a great one of the greatest things that can teach you about life right and who you are and it reveals who you are as a person i wonder throughout your career what has soccer taught you about you like what is it revealed like yeah what is it revealed within you that you didn't realize about yourself yeah man that's that's a that's a nice and deep question i think uh it's made me realize that not to take one the game for granted but yeah. that there's a hot that there's a whole nother life to to just sport um and I know it's it's just a game. And I think that I've worked so hard to get to where I am today. But when I finish or when I come off that pitch, I've got a beautiful family at home. I've got my you know family who's in Sunbury, my parents. And life is is something that can't be taken away. I've spent you know, 11, 12 years out of Melbourne. Now that I'm back, I kind of don't want to miss out on those moments that I've missed out on for 11, 12 years. You know? So I think it's, it's opened my eyes a bit to realize that there's going to become a point where I hang my boots up and that's something I have to process. And, um, there's a whole nother life to than this game. And, um, I've got to make the most of it for, you know, I'm 27 now. So I believe that I would love to say, if someone said to me, you'll be, you'll be playing professionally till you're 37, I've got a 10 year ticking clock. So it's, um, I'm just going to give everything I can mate to, to make sure that I stay in this game for as long as I can and, and still love it. And, and that's something that I can, know push on and and become coach to the to the younger players that's awesome but you it's you're still you're thinking present being here with family but do you think about like there's many professional athletes that we could think of that started getting into various endeavors and hobbies and and businesses throughout their career some of them just hyper focused and just did the one thing and then found themselves at the end of their career kind of lost a bit are you thinking about that now? Like, oh, what are some other things? What am I interested in in this life beyond just soccer? Or is it just, yeah. nope, that's it. Plan A is the only plan. You know what? I, I still am of the mindset of plan A is, this is, this is who I'm, I am. This is how I'm built. I'm built to be a professional footballer. And, you know, from the age of, like we talked about, 11 till now, my hunger hasn't changed. And I... I would hate nothing more than to to take my eye off the ball mm. and then the things start to, to spiral down. If I can give my all to this game as much as I can, and then when when the time comes to start focusing on, on the other side of the fence, then it, it would be time. But no one's well. I don't have that gut feeling yet where I'm just ready to start shifting my focus. Yeah. And, and players are different. I think it comes down to positions. Um, you know that you got defenders and midfielders who I would say respectfully don't have the pressure that I have. You know, if they have a bad game, they can go, you know, they can go home and sleep at night. But if I have a, if I miss a chance and my team loses, I can't sleep at night because it's a pressure game. And strikers and goalkeepers 
live and die by saves and goals. So I think it comes down to, you know, players who reach a level and, and they think that, you know what, they can open a cafe or they can open a restaurant. And that's great. I've supported so many players that have done that. But I believe that where I am now, I, I, I couldn't stress myself out enough because I'm stressed enough as football is because it's, it's a week by week game because you could have a great game and then the following week you'd have a yeah. bad game. No one cares about your great game. They no. just they just want to magnify your, your bad game. Yeah. So I, I don't want to shift my focus just yet and, and I'll know when the time's right. Yeah, it's a su- yeah, like you said, it's a super individual thing. I just wanted to know where your headspace was at. Um, but you said uh, sleepless nights. You miss, a, you miss a goal, something. Like what's the most memorable sleepless night where you're just like, God damn it. I wish I could take that one back. Um, so we played a, a semi-final against Western Sydney Wanderers and we were 3-0 up at half time, and um, we ended up losing 5-3 and, and I scored two that day but I had another chance to, to bury it before half time and didn't didn't score and you know I remember celebrating my, my first goal in front of their crowd of 25,000 and you know being a little bit cocky in the moment and, and because they were giving me shit and it was it was funny because that's what passion is right and and fans giving you it but then i went home and and i couldn't process losing that semi-final after being three nil up i just couldn't sleep i remember waking up the, the next morning going to breakfast and the boys were saying like we couldn't none of us could sleep mm. and that's what showed that it actually hurt us because we knew that you know a, a great opportunity had gone past and 12 months you have to wait 12 months for another moment like that because final series is is, is cutthroat what do you do with that? Like, how do you handle those emotions? It's, I'm the sort of person that bottles it up. And then mm. if someone says something that just, you know, rubs me off on the wrong way, it kind of, it just comes out. And that's, I've gotten better with that. And gotten, as I get older, I start to, you know, understand that not everyone's coming from a bad place and, mm. and that, you know, they just want to pick my brain and maybe they want to understand what I'm, what, or how I feel after the game and what I'm thinking. But, you know, the younger Jamie would would uh, would just bottle it up and, and not show any emotion. But now, I think emotion's great because you're able to get it out, get it off your chest, and lay it out bare in front of the people that you know you go to war with, so to speak. And you know, if we all can do that and look each other in the eye, that's that says enough in itself that we've all given everything. And um, if it didn't if it didn't go our way, then you know, at least we can say we can look in the mirror and look at ourselves and say, yeah we did everything that we could yeah i think that's so important like when you can honestly though like because some people lie to themselves right and and they're like oh yeah i did everything i could i worked as hard as i could did you really though Mm. did have you had those moments i think everybody does but i mean maybe you have maybe you haven't of like you thought you were doing everything you could but then you really realized i wasn't Mm. yeah Uh, and if i even just talk about most recently so we had our season shut off because of COVID in March and we had from March till to June of doing nothing. Like we were twiddling our thumbs, sitting at home, waiting for, for COVID to die down and, and, and for our season our season to kick on. And, you know, I got a bit complacent. I was sitting at home, getting a bit lazy. And when I came back in June, uh, I didn't hit the my distance in terms of training. I didn't hit it consistently. And I was thinking... And I, I remember thinking back, it's because I didn't put the work in when we were, when I was sitting on a couch. And I think that tweaked me in a moment where I look at today, I've just come home from my first session at the club and I've beaten my record by 300 metres. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, I've done the right thing the last few weeks because I know that I made a mistake six months ago, but I rectified that and 
and it, it does take time with fitness and stuff, but little things like that, you, you just know when you drop the bar and, and your standards low, mm. it, it hits you, it hits you like a ton of bricks because you realize it and you, you, yeah, you're not true to yourself. You're not, you're saying, I can't be right, and maybe the GPS is broken. No, you but can't it's, run it's from actually it. Not. It's objective. You can't. You can't hide. You cannot hide. Right. I love that about kind of the, that data. It just tells you black and white. You, whether, although there's costs, there's nuance, and there's things that can happen. But um, I want to go back. You said you talked about emotion. How you you seem a lot better at expressing and getting that, expressing that emotion out as a player and human. Um, what are your techniques or outlets? Like, how do you do that now? Do you meditate? Yeah, so, do you journal? Do you gratitude? Like, what do you work on? So, look, before games, um, you know, obviously just I like to write things down. I like Before games, I like to – because sometimes the night before a game, I might have a dream or I might even just be sitting in my room with my eyes closed and I have a gut feeling of, like, butterflies because I, I'm envisioning what's going to happen tomorrow or on, on game day. So I like to write things down, and there's been a few times where I've written down – I'm going to score a brace today. One's going to be a header and one's going to be with my right foot. And sure enough, sometimes it's actually not been a fluke, but sometimes it's actually happened. And it's because I've either believed it and I've written it down. It's gone from my head and that your mind's a powerful thing. Mm. Like people haven't even probably scratched the surface of what their mind can do because mine is a level now where I just, I can envision games before it even happens, envision moments. And it's nice to take it out on the field. And, and when they, when they come off, it's, it's quite special. It's quite goosebumpy, you know. Mm. There's something unexplainable. I think about the that power of visualization. Do you? Is it something you do on purpose? Like I'm going to sit down and visualize now, or is it just I'm resting mm. before a game and it just comes to you? It it just comes to me. It, it really does. I don't I don't force it. I don't um, choose the time and 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 focus on letting these images come to me. If I if I'm just relaxing, I'll you know, just close my eyes for a little bit and the, 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 the moments will just happen. And, and when my, when my gut starts to feel a bit, you know, rumbly and the butterfly feeling it's, uh, I just know I'm in for a good thing, but I then have to rock up to the stadium and put the work in. Yeah. I'm not yeah. just going to just, you know, not get to the stadium and, and just think it's going to happen. I have to make it happen. Absolutely. Do you have pregame? Of course, you, I'm sure you do, but what is your pregame ritual? I know you talked about hitting 60% on goal as a target. Is that something you do every time? Like I'm staying here until I hit 60% or X amount yeah. of goals? Oh mate, absolutely. You, you you physically have to drag me off the pitch if I haven't if I haven't done it. So I love that. it's it's a super it's a superstitious thing. I, yeah. I believe that I need to put myself in the best possible position because if I do fail, then I can look myself in the mirror and like we talked earlier, I can look myself in the mirror and said my preparation yes. was was ten out of ten and you know, I've done everything I could, but if I if I just go, oh, you know what, I'm no, nah, I'm not feeling it today. I'll just go inside, and then the next the next game, I'm sloppy. Then I can kind of look back and say, well, you know what, man, you, you didn't even work hard the day before, or you didn't reach the levels that you're normally at, and you, you weren't, you know, consistent. So, and that's something that that eats me up inside. And thankfully, for the last year and a half, I haven't even had that feeling because I know that I won't come off this pitch until until I'm satisfied. What's the longest you've gone? Um, where you've just been missing, oh, God damn, it's taking forever. Like, Do you remember like one of those moments? Um, oh, I'm trying to think now. I think it probably takes me back to even the Brisbane days where you know there was a period where, because they love loading. It's all about loading nowadays. And um, if you've done a certain load of you know 6Ks in a training session, hmm. they don't let you do any more. Yeah. But there was a period where I was tinkering on the 7K and it was a, I was getting you know 
in a bit of a heated exchange with my old coach John Aloisi because he was saying to me just get off the pitch like we need we need to be fresh for tomorrow but I was like I've only scored 10 I want 15 and it was uh that was a period that 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 I can remember very fondly because he was steam was coming off his head mate and he's like I'm not ready but he was an ex-striker and he understood he was a soccer legend and um, a joy to work with so he understood me and, and, and thankfully let me stay for the next five goals. <laughs> Good for him, he, as he should. It's like, it was five goals, coach. Can you give five <laughs> goals? Do you, outside of your father, there were, speaking of John Aloisi, outside of your father, who are your other biggest influences and mentors that you've grown up with? Um, look, my father takes the cake if I'm, you know, going to speak of a whole. But other than that, I think, look, even the work that my mum you know, did she used to drive me three hours a night sometimes, you know, from Sunbury down to through to Darabin and then Darabin back to, to Sunbury. Like that's on Bell Street. Like that's not easy, right? And mm. you know, she she's a hero without a cape. And and that's something that, you know, I love so much about her. And and my parents gave the world to me. And that's something that I don't even know how to repay them. You know, there's no amount of time for me to repay my parents and, and the stuff they did. So it's uh it's an easy answer for me it's it's both my parents combined is 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 where they've they've got me to this point today and um you know i spent 10 15 years out of melbourne away from them and um you know i had other mentors in terms of you know soccerers like vince Corella and brett emerton but they were good but to get to that level i, I had to have the support of, of both my parents and, and that was that was crucial it was it's something yeah like i said it's it's hard to put into words of what they did how does it feel now though like you can not only financially i assume support them to an extent that you weren't able to in the past um but they're able to look at the work and investment they put in you and feel whatever they feel like what was the moment when i don't know do you have a moment when you were with your parents maybe at your first a league or this game or that game that was like we made it yeah yeah so um there was one moment that so i won my golden boot and young player of the year um at brisbane in 2016 and i remember coming home to melbourne and you know my father gave me a cuddle and and he just sort of said to me you've bypassed me and when he said those words it's kind of he was saying to me, "You, you have bypassed his. Like I'm, I've succumbed his or surpassed his career, you know. And and that was a nice feeling to know that my father acknowledges the work I've put in. That you know he's laid the baton to me, and and I've taken it to a whole new level. And funny enough, you know, a couple of weeks later, I went to play for my country for my debut for the Socceroos. And um, you know, that moment rings true because I'm not going to sit here and say I was a better player than my dad, but. I've done more in the game than him, and and for him to say that as a proud dad was was a pretty spine tingling moment. There's no way for me to um, you to anyone to feel this, but I, I hearing you say that gave me goosebumps because I can just I can feel just like so much work, so many years, so many thousands of hours and investment that they put in you and your father especially. And it, and it was probably yeah, you're right. It was probably hard, maybe hard for him to say that. I don't know yeah. as a as a proud Scottish man who yeah. you know. You know, he would have had his own ego as a player, you know, and for him to, to, to cuddle me and say, son, you've bypassed me is was, was a nice thing. What do you feel in that moment? I think we actually just shared a, shared a tear moment because I, that was the, at that point, I've just been 
in the media selected as, as a Socceroo call-up and, um, you know, being back in Melbourne because I was living in Brisbane, it was still away from them. And, yeah, j- just a fantastic moment. I, I think it's something that has driven me to this day to to keep carrying that name, the McLaren name and that legacy in this Australian football. And, um, yeah, I, I hope I'm making him proud uh, every single game. I absolutely think you are. Um, when you look to the future... Do you have tangibly specific goals that you want to achieve? Numbers, games, accolades, or is it just more about values? I want to uphold these values to myself. The rest will come. Yeah, I think it's. I think I can use a bit of both. I mean, like yeah, I, I'm always going to sure. keep my standards, and yeah, I, I think I'm going to keep my my standards really high, but. If I'm to, to talk about goals and, you know, so I'm on 79 A-League goals and I believe that, you know, other than Bessart Barisha, no one else has hit 100. So, you know, I'm on, you know, I scored 23 last season. So I believe that another good season like last year, then I could be in the 100 club. And, and that's only one other player has ever done that and he's not Australian. So I'd like to be the first Aussie to, uh, to hit 100 goals in the A-League. And um, I've got Archie Thompson, who's on 90, and uh, Shane Smeltz, who's on 92. So... 15 more goals and, and that will see me above them but ideally I want to hit the 100 mark and join the 100 club with uh, with Bess that would be a pretty cool accomplishment do you know what that have you calculated that per game um, well I have to obviously hit 20 22 goals next season um, to, to reach 100 and it's going to be about goal a game so pretty... 22 games yeah 22 goals it's pretty doable so it's a tough ask, but it's it, it, it's doable, it's but do, it's, it's, it's tough. a tough ask. And like sure. I said, I've got to <laughs> I've got to spend those I've got to spend those hours every single day after training. Trust me. Abs- oh, absolutely. How do you with go back to your father and go back? I know we talked about some of the values that your father taught you. Um, we talked about confidence, but mentally, psychologically, was there one thing he taught you or something that you've learned throughout the years of playing? Um, that was especially valuable to you in like how to stay in control of your, your mental state? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it was more a case of if they don't know you personally. So let's say, you know, nowadays you've got the trolls and you've got like, you know, if you go through my inbox now, you've got some that are positive, some that are negative. Do you read them, Jamie? Do you read the comments? Do they get you? You read them. You know what? I, I do read them. But yeah. sometimes I'm a little bit bulletproof now where it's i know someone's just doing it just to make themselves feel good and um i'm at a stage now where or i'm at a level where i believe that you know that's not going to hurt me and if they don't know me personally then i don't take it personally so it's more a case of when you know they're starting to say i hope you break your leg you know i hope you die like things like that when they cross the line it's it's a bit too much they they just look at they just want that attention to get you they want that response yeah, and 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 that, that's something I see with a lot, a lot of other players that do read it and take it personally. Yeah. But every everyone takes it takes it differently. And I think over the years, as I've started to, like I said, don't read the good, don't read the bad. So it's it's been able just to stay at a level and um, just know that within yourself and and the people that do love you, they they think you're a good player, and 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 that's all that matters. Your coaches and your teammates, they believe in you. I think that's as far as you need to say because the ones that don't and the ones that want to bring you down you can't afford to to let your mind slip and, and start reading those comments because I'm a confidence player and yeah. I'm not saying it's knocking my confidence but there's 
it's going to give me no value. Yes, very well said. And you're a human being, right? It's like it, spot on. We're the average of the inputs that we that we input into ourselves. And if you're constantly inputting uh, negativity and pessimism, what's going to come out? Yep, probably that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with mentally in game though, like when you have those moments, how do you talk to yourself to get yourself back? Look, I just say, you know, if it's like we talked about earlier, it's, I'll just say, come on, like next moment, you know, I just, I'm able to compose myself. Um, and, you know, a lot of defenders try and get in my ear and, um, you know, hit me off the ball. And, um, you know, you kind of just, you show them that you're not bothered. Whether you, whether you are or you're not, you just, you show them that you're not bothered. Mm. And and that's something that, you, whether it's, you, you kill them with your smile or you kill them with, with, uh, with kindness because, at the end of the day, I know the one who's going to be laughing in, in, at the final whistle because I would have done everything right. And at the end of the day, he's trying to get my attention, but I'm not trying to get his because in, in five minutes' time, I'm going to be making a run where he doesn't even know where I am. And then the, my midfielder is going to pass me the ball and it's it's sure enough going to be a chance or a goal. So I, I, can't, I can't let, you know, like I said, trolls or, or defenders get into my head because then I'm defeated and... and you know, I've, I've become a little bit more bulletproof than, than what I previously was. So, it's powerful. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to get, but I think I've been able to, because I've had a lot of you know, adversity, that I'm able to, to deal with shitty moments and not too bad. But do you think that's like that's what you need? Like you need to be hardened through uh, the adversity, but you also need the tactics and techniques to deal with them appropriately? Yeah, yeah. and I fully agree that that's only... Your ability is only a small fraction of, of, a, of a team game. You know, you, you've got a, a whole 10 players behind you that need to be on the same page as you and um, tactically and you know, mentally and physically. So I think it's in a team game, you, you're not an individual. And that's something that as a, as a striker and as an attacking player that I'm only as good as the guys who are behind me. And if they're putting in the graft, then I'm going to put in the graft and, and we'll all be successful together. So um, that's why this game's a, a team sport and and why it's played all around the world because everyone's involved and um, yeah I guess you you can kind of say that the camaraderie that we've got at Melbourne City anyway is, is fantastic and we got into our first grand final and um, fell short but we but we look to bounce back with your you go back going back to you talking about your inner circle right and how important it is just family friends close teammates um, out of all of them who tells you when you're wrong like who checks you like who checks Jamie McLaren um, yeah, look, it would be my old man and it would be my, my, my fiance. So she uh-huh. would, you know, whenever things are, you know, going not so great, she was always just being honest and just saying, look, you know, n- nothing to do with football, just more about, you know, come on, it's just, let's move on. It's it's just a result. Um, I'm not saying it's just a game because I'm a, com- I'm, I'm a competitor. I, I love to win. I, I yeah. don't like losing, but they don't understand when, when you do lose games. It's But she's the one that, that that's going to be the one that's going to be facing me when I come through the door after losing a game exactly. so she's able to she's a machine now she she can deal with me and she can put me back in my place in two seconds that's so valuable to have that um, but what I think what I'm seeing from you James and actually before I say that I think like people don't understand and you say it's war like yes you're going to war like when you lose it's death it's like it's a, like a mini death like that's how I've experienced it that's how I I don't know if you experience it like that but it's it's literally like um, a life and death experience. I know it sounds, I don't know, maybe callous to the actual experience no, of death. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Oh, fully, fully agree. And I think it's after a, a full-time whistle and you've given, you know, 13 kilometres of running and high-intensity distance and to think that you've put in all that work and you get defeated, it's yeah. it's deflating and it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And, you know, you feel like you let, you know, your fans in the stadium, your, your, your family at home, the guys watching on TV, your club, your coaches, you feel like you let down more than one person. And, and that's something that I don't like feeling. And, um, along alongside with my, my other teammates. So I never like to, to shy away from pressure moments. I, lo- I love pressure and um, I think I perform a lot better when the pressure's on me. So it's uh, it's nice to, to give the guys good, better moments than, than worse. Have you always been like that? Like pressure helps like focus you? Or is it learnt nah, so talent? I had, I, yeah, I, you know what? I, I learnt to deal with pressure. I learnt to... Interesting. So for an example, if I'm talking football terms, you know, penalty so a penalty is probably the most pressure thing you can take in in soccer because there's a build-up there's there's about one or two minutes of fans everyone's watching and the 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 game stops because you have to take one kick to get past the goalkeeper and i remember there was one moment where i was playing in front of fifty thousand, and we got a penalty and i remember saying to the guy who had the ball because he wanted to take it i said listen just please give me the ball and so he gave it to me because he saw confidence in me but Little did people know I didn't have that much confidence, but I just believed if I score, then you overcome a little bit of fear. And imagine scoring, and I scored in front of 50,000, ended up uh, scoring the penalty and celebrating. And the ecstatic feeling is I was willing to be a villain or I was willing to be a hero. And I, I turned out to be the hero. And that's that was a moment. It was actually in Scotland. It was when I was playing for Hibernian against Rangers away at their stadium. That was a moment where I was... I was willing to to risk everything just and that's a pressure moment and that was that was something that turned the corner for me that's what an, what an amazing moment and but you could have missed and i don't know maybe in the could past in the, have you been in those positions before where you'd be like i got it right but you've missed yeah okay yep what happens up here then because if you if you make it it's every reason for your confidence level and self-efficacy to raise but if you miss that can spiral down it's like a balloon man it's it's purely simply as like a balloon that just gets deflated and it was it was i think i would i would say it's instinct you know i had something in my gut that said just ask for the ball and you know i wouldn't have really cared if he had said to me nah i'm taking it i would have probably stood back and said no worries like but because he gave me the ball i thought you know what this is my moment and Sometimes this game is divided between, you know, players who want to step up to pressure points. And um, and that was the biggest pressure thing that I've had till this day where I can just simply remember every single, you know, moment from when the referee blew the whistle. I've got the video on my phone. I mean, it's it gives me goosebumps and, and to celebrate, you know, against 50,000 fans was, uh, was a great feeling. And, you know, till this day, it's uh, goosebumps. Man, I... I'm really enjoying the conversation, Jamie, but I want to be respectful of your time. Are you good to keep on talking and chatting? Or you got yeah, to go? how long? We, how long you doing? Yeah, we'll do another ten minutes. That's fine. Beautiful. Um, going. You talked about your days in the UK, and I wonder when you summarize that entire experience. Yep. Because it's a big decision to move your whole life to another country for about a, a long time. What do you take from it? Like, what do you summarize that whole experience? What did that teach you? Well, I, I left as a as a fifteen year old, 
And I remember, you know, going to parties, playing for Green Gully, having friends, having family all close to me. Yeah. But now I'm sitting in a room with four walls in, in England. I don't know many people, um, but I'm going every day to play with the elite that's around the world, the elite European young players. And I was sitting there going, okay, well, I'm Australian and maybe they look at me differently. But I had a British passport, so... Uh, and the McLaren surname is, is as Scottish as it comes. So mm. I, fit, I was able to fit in quite well, but I still had to earn respect, man. Like, And people don't realize you, you don't earn that respect off a week or two weeks. It, this is a process of, you know, six months and six months of, you know, not being with family and, and shitty moments where I miss them and crying at, you know, 15, missing my mom and, and my dad. And that was, I, I grew up massively. I remember just, one time coming home and my dad and mum were like man who are you like mm. you're completely i've got bank account i've got a phone I'm, i was doing all these things that no kid should ever have to do because it's all given to them and i'm cooking now i'm doing washing i'm washing my own clothes i'm i'm booking flights like i'm doing things that as a 15 year old no kid does a very small percentage does and i think i, I turned into a man within within six months being away from my family and and that put me in in a great stead and i look back on my time in the uk the four and a half years i spent was um was huge mentally because i almost felt like something was trying to break me but i just couldn't because i wanted it so much see that desire it's really interesting hearing you speak because it's remained throughout this whole conversation like we always come back to it it's that it's more than love it's like it's like a part of your cells of your body like it's ingrained in you do you like a lot of players a lot of athletes they try and make it to your position right i wonder yeah do you think they just they need to have that like it just needs to be ingrained or can you override it just from i don't know something else i think everyone can find it within them um and different people express their emotions differently you know some are vocal some some show their expressions through physicality and and you know maybe where maybe it's you know football terms it's a tackle you know their their strength um you know but a lot of people shy away from exposing their weaknesses and i think that it's okay to show them but if you if you're able to work on them then you can improve and, and start to to question you know other people start to question well you know, if that's his weakness, but he's working on it, um, how else can we, you know, you know, nullify people? Because this game's cutthroat, man. Like, uh, it's, you know, one week you could be the best player, the next week you could have your contract terminated. So it's it's a crazy game, and I think it's it's not built for, I wouldn't say because it's not the right way, weak-minded, because there's nothing wrong with, with going through tough moments and, and not being able to deal with it, because it's like we talk about, and as sportsmen, it's okay to not be okay, but the way things are in you know in tough moments just being able to just grind through it and just being able to know that there's a reason why you do it and that's what's that's what's driven me to to this day grind maybe that'll be the title of your book one day um maybe you talk about i want to finish the conversation with you've been blessed with a lot of amazing people around you uh that's what it sounds like father figures mothers friends family mentors but we all know and you've probably seen it in your travels there's plenty of kids who don't grow up with almost any of those role models some people don't even grow up without a father or a mother or parents that's right what do you tell them like when 
hope and dis- hope is low and despair is highest. But this thing is inside of them, but they don't know the exact direction to get to where maybe you are. Like, mm-hmm. but maybe they're listening. What do you tell them? You know what? It's that's such a, a huge and big and great question because it's I, when I say I was given everything I, I was, but at the same time I made the most of it, of a situation where when my parents were able to be there and present to to take me places and to to give me the best um, to succeed. But when when you see players who aren't as fortunate or had the the upbringing that I had, it's you know just trying to understand them. Like we've got a few at our club who you know don't have or didn't have the sort of built the the life that I had getting brought up and um, and it comes down to little things and getting them to to enjoy the basics of just wanting to improve because you when they go home they might not be happy or or whatever but if I can make them sort of happy in their in their workplace then they might go home a different person and if they believe it, it comes down to believing that they can be a professional footballer um, you know, you've got to instill that. And I think with a lot of young players nowadays, you know, they spend a lot of time on their phones and, you know, PlayStations and stuff like that, where back then I don't think I had the luxury of that. I had, you know, a backyard, which I was able to do, but it was, it's it's a thing with kids nowadays is they just need a bit of guidance and direction. Like you said, it's, you know, and I, I'm lucky enough now that at 27, can I pass that down to a 17 year old? 100%. I would love to mm. I would love a 17-year-old to come up to me and say Jamie listen like how can I how can I improve or you know my mom can't take me now but I would happily drive because from where I live to on the way to training I I guarantee you I'll be driving past a few players houses. So it's little things like that and I think that you know younger kids just need to be a little bit more vocal and let us know how, how they're doing because we always ask how they're going but the same answer is yeah I'm good. But yeah. if you just be honest with me and say listen you know jamie things aren't that great then i'm all ears so it's about having that that direction because we're here we're not we're not going to charge them for any experience or any sort of advice Mm -hmm. we're here to to help them that's you you're behaving like a great coach then and a great father figure and mentor and the last thing i wanted to ask you all the coaches throughout your career because we all think Education, like we train and deliver certificate threes and fours to trainers and coaches so they can become coaches. Yeah. But there's certain skills and characteristics that coaches must exhibit to be great. Throughout your career, looking, reflecting back, what do you see as the most consistent common values that all of your best coaches exhibited? Um, I would say high standards, but that that's that's too simple. So... I would come back down to man management. So some players might need a cuddle and might need a bit of guidance and a bit of voices to reassure them that they're doing the right thing or, or you know, a little bit of tough love. But some players need to kick up their ass. Mm-hmm. So in this game that we play, there's there's a lot of personalities and mixed cultures and, and you know, ethnicity that some players need this and some players need that. So for, for coaches need to adapt to an individual. Don't generalize it don't think that okay we've got a squad of 18 players let's all treat them the one way no it's not the it's not the way to go about it speak to an individual find out about him find out about his background find out how his mental state is and and actually understand the person because then when you coach them you're able to direct whether it's the hard way or it's the 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 soft and easy way but at the end of the day you all want the same end goal you all you all want to win games you all want to be the best you can be so that's the only way you're going to get the best out of that individual 
And that's something that if I ever do become a coach, my man management, I'll make sure that every single one of my players individually, I know everything about. Mm. Because everyone's different, man. Everyone's come from, like we talked about earlier, I had I had a good upbringing and some other person next to me didn't have the same upbringing, but we've got the same ability, but I need some tough love and this other guy needs a cuddle. It's all right. It's it's all about being individual. Yeah, it's purely down to to the individual, and you can put that into every single sport. Everybody is different, and you it's okay to be different. That's a great way to end it, Jamie. If you're open, to, thank you so much for doing this. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. No problem at all. If you're down for it, would love to do this next year in person when we can. Other yeah, than, absolutely. Awesome, man. Um, absolutely. We'll, we'll let you know. Uh, from there, do you have any last thoughts, comments, ask of the people listening, or just I think people could know where they can find you, but any last comments? Uh, look, I think it's, you know, we rattle off a lot of a lot of things today, but I do believe that what I finished on about being an individual that, you know, stop trying to copy or trying to be other someone else. Be yourself and you know let your true self be shown and, and don't be afraid of showing emotion and don't be afraid of you know making mistakes because we at the end of the day like we talked about we're all human and i think that every player needs to understand or every person whoever whatever happens even coaches you're going to one coach is going to be different to another coach and you've all got different tactics different ways to to approach a game or approach a moment so um if i can finish on that just just be yourself and and work hard and, and you will get the reward that you want well said Jamie McLaren, thank you so much, my friend. Look forward to meeting in person one day and having this conversation then. 100%, man. Thank you so much. See you, brother.